thank offering to him and affectionately bless his beautiful name. For Yahweh is always good and ready to receive you. He's so loving that it will amaze you, so kind that it will astound you, and he is famous for his faithfulness towards all. Everyone knows our God can be trusted, for he keeps his promises to every generation. Lift up a great shout of joy to Yahweh. Go ahead and do it, everyone, everywhere. Worship Yahweh with gladness. Sing your way into his presence with joy. And realize what this really means. We have the privilege of worshiping Yahweh our God. For he is our creator and we belong to him. We are the people of his pleasure. You can pass through his open gates with the password of praise. Come right into his presence with thanksgiving. Come, bring your thank offering to him and affectionately bless his beautiful name. For Yahweh is always good and ready to receive you. He's so loving that it will amaze you, so kind that it will astound you, and he is famous for his faithfulness towards all. Everyone knows our God can be trusted, for he keeps his promises to every generation. Lift up a great shout of joy to Yahweh. Go ahead and do it, everyone, everywhere. Worship Yahweh with gladness. Sing your way into his presence with joy. And realize what this means.
Good night, everybody. Welcome to Victory Christian Fellowship, where we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. Are you guys ready for tonight? It's going to be a very good night. Amen? Because God is here with us. And that's who we're worshiping. That's who we're talking about. That's what we're. That's who we're learning from. And we are going to uh, grow together tonight. And God's going to do mighty, mighty things. So, Father, we just thank you for tonight. We give you all praise, all glory, all honor. We thank you, Lord, for your presence in this atmosphere. We speak out tonight, Father, that everything you have planned for this service tonight will come to pass. And it will be to all of your glory, Father. We give you praise and honor and glory in this house tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.
I say, arise, arise, arise. Walk in your authority. You are my sheep. I am your shepherd. You know my voice. Arise and walk in your authority. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Signature Worship. Didn't they do awesome? I still feel dancy. Although I feel dancy all the time. Oh, you can have your seats. <laughs> all right. So we have some announcements, some things coming up that I'm very excited about. So I'm going to try and go in order by date. But we might jump around. <laughs> all right. So today's Wednesday. That means this Saturday, September 9th, 9-9. I'm glad Pastor Nadine said that on Sunday. That helps me remember. 9-9. On, we have the youth breakfast at 9 a.m. I love the youth breakfast. It's got a totally different, like, atmosphere to it. It's a little bit different than what we experience on Tuesdays. And we just, we chill out. We eat breakfast. We talk with one another. 
Jesus always shows up, and then we just have a fun time, however, flowing in the Holy Spirit, because it's different every time. So there's not, like, the format is just go with the flow. And also on Saturday, if you are interested, we are having the square. We'll be at the Palmyra Square. Abby and Devon are leading that, and they will be there from 845 to 915. So stop on by, honk your horn as you drive through the intersection. We have a fun time, and we are shifting the atmosphere of Palmyra every time we're there. And you get to meet some real interesting people. It's fun. I didn't realize how many different, like, characters there were just in Palmyra. Because, you know, you get in your routine. You do, like, the same errands. You go to the same grocery stores. Yeah. You got to shake it up a little bit. Okay. So, next Friday, okay, so not two days from now Friday, but next Friday, is Woven. (laughs) I know. I'm so excited. We've been on break for the summertime, but I'm glad that Woven will be starting back up again. So, that is Women of Victory Enjoying a New Life. And that starts at 6, and we go to about 8.30-ish. And then after Woven, that following Sunday is Book Club. So Ladies Book Club, we are studying Dr. Fiona's book, Removing Blind Spots for a Limitless Life. So that's after service, typically from around 12.30 to 2. We make sure we end at 2. The start time is kind of flexible. But we enjoy, like, fellowshipping with one another. And even if you haven't read the book, still come because we just talk about, like, concepts and what we've learned and how to apply that in, like, real-life situations as you're at your job and all those kinds of things. Okay. And then upcoming at the end of October is the Inheritance Family Conference. So keep in mind as you're out shopping and living life, invite people Um, We want to also bless the families that come. So if you see, like, items that you would like to donate for, you know, kids and prizes and things along those lines, feel free to do that as well. And since the school year has started back up again, Bible Adventure will also be starting back up. So details to come more with that if you're interested in volunteering or, you know, kids in the middle school in um, grades third through fifth grade, they come to VCF for one hour out of the week. So you can tell people all about it. And I didn't do announcements on Sunday, but I did have a fact that I wanted to share. Um, I learned that, well, okay, who got credit for inventing the light bulb? Thomas Edison. He got the majority of the credit, but he did not do most of the work. I discovered He actually, um, they credit 22 other people with inventing the light bulb before he did. Right? They invented, like, all of the parts. Thomas Edison just put most of them together. But he was mostly famous because he commercialized it and then told people how practical it was. I guess they didn't think how it could be useful. So, but I just thought that it was interesting that, like, all of those people before Thomas Edison, like, helped him for, like, his big moment, and he invented a whole bunch of other things, and that was part of it. So I was thinking, with the body of Christ, like, no action that you do is too small, right? Everything, like, it all worked together for Thomas Edison to come onto the seat and be like, hey, guess what? We have light bulbs, like, (laughs) so I just encourage you, like Thomas Edison and all the other inventors around that era, that, like, 
everybody's working together, right? And those people who went before him helped the generations after him, and the light bulbs helped the generations after him. So it continued to go forward. So as we do the same thing in Christ, right, what we learn, we also pass on to the next generation, which is why Bible Adventure and this generation and youth group is so important because we want them to go further and further. Okay, that's all the announcements. (laughs) Thank you. Are you happy to be in church tonight? Amen. Well, it's good to be here. It's always good to be in church. I grew up in church. I think my my mom was pregnant with me and Bible, my dad was in Bible school. So, I mean, really. <laughs> That's what happened to me. And I'm glad. <laughs> well, I wanted to encourage you tonight about our offering. Uh, we always have an opportunity here to give. Of course, this is really good ground to sow into because we're doing stuff all over the world. Uh, our offering... Uh, podiums are to my right and in the back on my left and also anytime during the service after the service you can give as your heart desires we believe in freely you give as you so desire amen I want to show you some pictures Uh, do we have them are they okay I want to show you some pictures that speaking of what happens with your offering um, (laughs) Pastor Doug sent me some pictures from um, his Saturday night service or Friday night service Remember, I was telling you how he was praying for people and it was all over. They were falling everywhere. Well, look at the room. I realized it was like a zinc room. So when he said he was sweating, I understand what was going on now. Um, You know, there's uh, him praying. And the pastor captured some pictures, I think, or somebody from the congregation. But uh, he was dripping, he said. And I could see why, I think. They were in that size room with 120 people, I believe. It's a good day for the day of Pentecost. Uh, (laughs) But, uh, yeah, you see all the... That was the altar call, by the way. They all rushed up. They had to, like, figure out what to do. People just got up and started running towards the front. So (laughs) he was just, like, going through the crowd and just putting his hands on people. And they were just gone. So that's that's them sitting I believe they sat on the floor as well. So, um, but that's just one. Right now he is in um, Chandigarh, which I just learned it's spelled with a K. Um, <laughs> teaching in the Bible school. So he's doing, I think he said five hours a day of teaching. Mm-hmm. And then so when he talks to me at night, he's really tired because he's been teaching all day. So just pray for him. He's, he's having a great time. Uh, he said uh, yesterday's class, uh, he taught on, um, I forgot what class he's teaching, but anyway, he, uh, he told him about the joy of the Lord, and he prayed like a prayer at the end concerning the joy of the Lord, and the joy of the Lord fell in the place, and they all started laughing, and some people were rolling on the floor, and they had never had that experience. Wow. A lot of them said they had never actually had the experience of the joy of the Lord. So that was a breakthrough moments so all kinds of stuff happening in India and I just found out so we are touching at the right time because it's been bugging me a while about India I, it just came on my radar and so I realized why I just heard a prophetic word today about India um, that just happened that was just spoken recently about uh, the change that's going to happen and they dropped their name off of 
one of these international things. I don't want to say too much about it because, you know, I'm trying to say code words here because I'd like our program to stay on the, on the medias that they're on. So, um, but anyway, so there's something happening in India when it comes to the gospel. Yes. There is no way that the country with the largest recorded population on the planet belongs to the devil. Right. It's just not going to happen. Right. So <laughs> I'm just saying we're right there. So that's my offering spiel, actually. <laughs> Um, okay, so the Lord told me tonight to pray for something specific, and I thought, I want to pray for this. I want to pray for you for this before I start preaching. Because if I pray for you for this, if you have this happening, then you'll be free to hear the word of God, right? Instead of waiting till after. So um, what I want to pray for is for breaking off the spirit of disappointment or discouragement. And it feels heavy, and it, it feels hopeless, really. The point of that is to feel hopeless and to feel like, what do I do? And so the Lord wants to fix that. It's a spirit. Do you want to come up, uh, Devon? Um, it's a spirit, and it needs to be broken. And so if you're here tonight, even if it's one person, God gave me this instruction, even if it's for one person. So I want us to be um, sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and I want us to obey his voice. And if somebody is online and they need this, um, then uh, I want you to receive it. So we're going to sing. I'm going to have Devon sing that song that Gabe wrote about chains breaking. And if you are that person and you need prayer... um, you can come up front for prayer. If you are, if you need prayer and you don't want to be seen on camera, just lift your hands where you are and I'll come to you. And then the camera just don't follow me, that's all. So, um, okay? So go ahead and right, let's sing it.
protection around her. In the name of Jesus, darkness has to go. that it contains the peace of God that passes understanding, that it contains the joy of the Lord that is our strength, that it contains dreams and visions and purpose and life. So, Father, we thank you, Lord, that your light will come to us, that that you will give us revelation knowledge that we have never seen before. Let us hear something we've never heard and see something we've never seen concerning your word to us tonight in this atmosphere every other voice must stop speaking and the voice of God is the one to be heard and I thank you Father that the voice of the Holy Spirit operates at a high level in this place tonight and perpetually at the sound of my voice Father to the listener of what you will bring forth tonight in this place. We thank you, Father. Lord, you get all of the glory for every single testimony, every single result, every demonstration of power and authority. We give the glory to God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Amen. Praise God. Well, God is good. Amen. And he knows the timing of everything. He knows what we need. He knows how to do it. Amen? Amen. And it has to happen. When the Lord gives an instruction and we follow it and we, uh, we um, cooperate with it, we get the benefits. Amen? So everybody that was prayed for, this case is closed. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Your case is closed. And don't let the enemy open it again. Amen. Well, our kids, we having kids life. Yeah, we have kids. So kids lifetime. You guys ready? Let's go. Amen. Well, tonight I want to talk to you on the subject. What is the point? What's the point of being a Christian? Good question. And what's the point of being a Christian like? Why be a Christian, right? Now, in this, at the end, I'm going to talk about the topic of forgiveness because I, I, I advertised it on Facebook today. But uh, I knew this was my topic, but forgiveness is part of this. And um, I grew up, as I said, I grew up as a Christian. So I always believed God. Like, to me, there is no other God. And But I, I realized that other people who grew up in other religions may feel the same way. So the question arises, what's the point of being a Christian then? You know, because, 
But I saw growing up, I saw Hinduism and uh, Muslim. We call it Muslim. I guess it's Islam. I don't know what the difference is, but the two. And then there's Christianity. And I always noticed that when a Hindu would get saved, uh, when they come up to the altar for prayer, my dad would cast demons out of them first. And then they get saved. And I always thought, well, who would want to serve something that is so nasty that lives in them, you know, because it's pretty ugly when it comes out. Um, and I realized in their homes, they have the practice, their religious practices, they have to build an altar and they have to have different idols that they worship every morning and they give them food. They put food in front of them and do all these rituals. And that's what they do for their gods. So what happens after a while when you worship these idols, the demons associated with the idols would enter you. And so I've had experiences like, you know, those movies make it look easy. I woke up one one uh, Sunday afternoon. We had church. You know, we went to church. I woke up on Sunday afternoon. Me and my siblings were in the room taking a nap. So uh, I would have been maybe 10 or so, and uh, or maybe 12. I don't know. And I heard this man saying to my dad, I'm going to kill her. And my dad's like, in the name of Jesus. And I go, what on earth? Uh, at first, I thought I was in church still. I was like, am I dreaming? What is going on? And I get up and I go. I have my brother on my hip. You know, he woke up. He's crying. He's hearing all this commotion. I got him on my hip. I come out of the bedroom door. I peek around the corner. It's a female relative of ours who had just, her mother had just gotten saved. And they all live in the same house. Her mother was a Hindu her whole life. So she was worshiping all these idols, right? So when she got saved, the idols got mad. The demons got mad and they possessed her daughter to the point she was possessed that she they thought she was pregnant. They, she went and did an ultrasound, their babies in her belly, but she couldn't eat or drink anything for three or four months. Anything she tried to consume, she couldn't keep it. So her body was like she was dying. So her mother finally, this one day, who got saved, you know, brought her to the house because it was desperation time. And she's on the couch. She's laying on the couch. She's looking at my dad going, I'm going to kill her. My dad's like, come out of her now in Jesus' name. And she gave out a scream and she was set free. So then she, you know, my dad led her to the Lord, you know, fill her up with God. She gets born again. Everything's good. So they come in the kitchen. Mom's giving her food. We had just moved into that house. My dad just became the overseer. So, so this is the first time they're at the house, right? So we're talking now. I just witnessed this. We're talking, and uh, my dad goes, oh, Fiona, why don't you take her around, show her around, take her downstairs. Well, downstairs is pitch black. <laughs> There's like, you got to go in the dark and go find the light. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm not sure that this is what I want to be doing right now. Like, how about if, um, you guys take her. <laughs> I'll come and help because I'm like, what? What is, you know? But I grew up seeing that stuff in church anyway. But this was the first time I was like in my living room, you know. I was like, you know, man, like let's have some boundaries. But anyway, uh, <laughs> she got saved, set free. She lived as a Christian. She died young, but she was saved. Amen. So I said all that to say to the people in their religious belief, to them, that is the real God. So it's good for us to know some things about God. What's the point of being a Christian? It's good for us to know these things so we know what answer to give. Amen?
So the first thing we're going to do is go to, well, the first thing I want to say is, as a Christian, our God is the God from Genesis chapter 1, right? So let's go to Genesis 1, just so your eyes can see it and your ears can hear it. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 1. This, this, you know, there's lots of things about witnessing. To me, this is it. Just take a little story. Remember when Stephen was being stoned? And he went all the way. He just went all the way through the Old Testament and told the entire story while they're waiting to stone him. And he literally told the entire Bible to that point. And I think sometimes in witnessing, we jump to the end and people don't understand what the beginning was. You know what I'm saying? So in Genesis chapter 1, we see in the beginning God. This God is the God we serve in Christianity. Okay? Every religion tries to tell you that we're serving the same God. We're not. This God is our God. Okay? He prepared, formed, fashioned, and created the heavens and the earth. I'm reading the Amplified, by the way. The earth was without form and empty waste, and darkness was upon the face of the very great deep. The Spirit of God was moving. So God's Spirit was waiting for a command. Right? And he was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. How many times did our God speak? One time. So our God, one time, his word is that good. He doesn't have to say, let there be light, let there be light, let there be, there's no chanting. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. We don't have to, he don't go, let there be light, let there be light, let there be light. And then like rev up something. He said, let there be light and boom, action. Now go to John 3.16. Right? That's, this is our God. The God from Genesis 1. And, and aren't these things you already know? Right? But we're going to look at it. And the, and the God from John 3, 16. All right. For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world... This God is the same God from Genesis 1, okay? That he gave up his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal everlasting life. So the same God that saved the world as far as the physical form of the world is the same God in John 3.16 that saves us. He sent his son to fix us. Okay? Because we became a big, dark, void waste when sin entered. Every person is born here as a sinner, so we need to be rescued. We need to be remade in the image of God. We need to be born again. And the way God did it was John 3:16. He told us 
what he did, okay? And we all know the story. Doesn't that make you feel a little bit more confident about what's the point of being a Christian? So when people are arguing with you about God, John 3.16 is something they can't pull. (laughs) They can't go to John 3.16. They don't have a John 3.16, right? They, They may say, yeah, we believe God made the earth. Oh, yeah, we believe in creation. Well, show me your Savior because that same book that talks about in the beginning also talked about how man fell. So let me see your, let me see your John 3.16, right? They, th- there is no their John 3.16. Their John 3.16 is how many penance you have to do and how much bowing and poses and exercises. You know, the yoga stuff? That's Hinduism, by the way, in case you didn't know. Um, that's what, that's what you pay for your sins. You pay for your own sins in another religion. In our Christianity, Jesus paid for us. Amen? Amen. Now, there's another thing in Christianity that cannot be found in any other religion, and that is love. Only Christianity has true love because God is love. The real God is love. Okay? So we have, let's go to 1 John 4, 8. 1 John 4, 8, I have this in the Amplified as well. We're starting off a little step and we'll fire it up at the end. 1 John 4, 8. Okay, he who does not love has not become acquainted with God, does not and never did know him, for God is love. So a person that cannot love cannot talk to you about our God because they don't know him. Their God is a different thing. We know that there's the potential for other gods with a lower G because the first commandment says in the Old Testament, of the, of the ten, in the Old Testament it says, thou shalt have no other god before me, right? That's the first thing. We shouldn't worship any other god. So God knew that there'll be other people trying to imitate him, which are really demons. Imagine worshiping demons. People do this and think it's, it's okay. Like, this is what the reality is. It doesn't matter what the other religion is. That's what's happening. It's demonic worship. It's not, it's not like, well, I love God, and this is how I want to worship him. That's rebellion. Rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. Witches deal with demons. Do you see how this all goes together? Yeah. Right? So it's not something to play with. It's not something to say, well, you know, we all are God's children. We're not. We're all God's creation. We are not all God's children. In order to be a child of God, you have to be born again into the kingdom of God. Okay? So this is something that you have to know. This isn't some like, oh, yeah, I'm going to church. I'm a Christian. Yeah, you know. (laughs) You are in the, the most powerful kingdom that there was and ever will be. This is why when I was being um, mocked in school, you know, when I would go to school 
uh, kids would mock me every single, every single day at school. It didn't matter what school I went to. I was told that everything I own was stolen from the church because I was a preacher's kid. So her dad stole the church money to buy a pencil. Her dad stole the church money so she can eat food. Her dad stole the church money so she can have a uniform. I mean, it was just like endless. I would just smile and I'd be like, they have no idea. They have, they have no idea. And I always grew up knowing I serve the one and only God. Like there is, I serve the best. <laughs> I serve the best. That's just what there is. You see what I'm saying? So when you are fully convinced about God being who he is, there is no room for embarrassment or defensiveness. This is what I'm trying to get to you. You don't have to be defensive about God. He is all-powerful. He doesn't need us to, like, make him sound better. <laughs> Do you know? Like, we don't have to, like, like, make God sound appealing. He is appealing. Do you know what I'm saying? He, he is powerful. If you tell God's story to people, it stands on its own. You don't have to embellish nothing. You don't have to bring you into it. You don't have to be embarrassed to share Jesus because you're not living so well. Do you know when I worked, <laughs> I worked for a company in Dalton, Georgia, and uh, as a salesperson, it was interesting. I was a sales rep over the Middle Eastern men territory, yeah. And so uh, uh, one of my colleagues was from South Africa. This, this man, he came from South Africa, and he... <laughs> We went, we had a, they had the home shows. It was a, it was a rug company, one of the number one rug company in the country. And so we had to go to this home show and they had it in Vegas. Well, that's the first time I was in Vegas and apparently every, every hotel has a, um, you know, gambling thing, casino in the, in the bottom level. So the meetings in the morning, the eight o'clock meetings would be at the bar. Now everybody knew I was a Christian and you know, all this. So I'm sitting, this is like 8 o'clock in the morning. I come down for the meeting, and I hear my colleague as drunk as ever. I mean, the man is drunk. And he is witnessing to somebody. <laughs> he is witnessing to this guy at the bar, and then he sees me come. He goes, oh, oh, she'll tell you. She'll tell you. Tell him. Tell him. <laughs> like, what on earth is going on? And so, I, you know, I start sharing about God, I mean, he, uh, he started it, so I picked up and carried on, and we had this conversation, and we had to go, I don't know what happened to the person, but my point is, God doesn't need to have, um, we don't have to cover up for God. I think that's the best way to put it. I think sometimes we try to cover up for God. And when we do that, it's, it's uh, lukewarm. It's lukewarm. Speak confidently about God. He has all power. Jesus, when he defeated the devil, was given all power in heaven, on earth, under the earth, everywhere. Everywhere that exists, Jesus has power over. And he gave us the authority to execute on that power. Like, like, honest, like what else is there to have? <laughs> you, we can speak to the weather we can speak to places. We, we have dominion because of what Jesus did. Because we could be reformed into new beings. 
We can rebuke things off of our bodies. We can rebuke things from our family line. Imagine the devil setting up your family line for decades, generations, and you show up with the authority and power of God in your mouth and you destroy all the works of the devil. Like, all of them. That's sad. But this is what you can do because when Jesus left, he said, this is what you do. You destroy the works of the end. Jesus went around doing good, destroying all the... This is what good is. To do good is to destroy the works of the enemy. I think sometimes we get it backwards. We think doing good is being nice to people. <laughs> that ain't doing good. <laughs> you could be nice to somebody that's about to kill your family. and You're trying to be nice. Because you're trying to forgive them. I'll show you what that's all about. That's my last point. But destroying the works of the enemy is doing good. You remember when Peter pulled Jesus aside? After Peter had a revelation, Jesus is Lord. And he pulled Jesus aside. He pulled Jesus. I was reading this going. He pulled Jesus aside to correct him. In what he was saying about himself. I'm like, like he didn't get the message of who Jesus, like he said Jesus is Lord, but I don't think he realized what that meant. (laughs) After saying, you are the Lord, then he goes, we need to talk. And Jesus destroyed the work of the enemy right there. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. That was a destruction of the work of the enemy. If Jesus had said, oh, Peter, you'll be all right. There's plans for you. God has plans for you. Don't worry about it. I'll be okay. He would have left the work of the enemy active, which Peter said, this, you can't do this. Do you see? When we need to cut out, we need to cut down the words of the enemy that he says about us in the moment it's said. Otherwise, it still remains active while you're complimenting the person (laughs) and making them feel better about it. Do you see? Okay, so uh, the love scripture as well is 1 Corinthians 13, which you can write down to go to. But if you read 1 Corinthians 13, no other religion has that criteria. None. Zero. Zip. It's all pretend. It's all conditional. They're nice to you if you're nice to them. You say Jesus and they lose the whole thing. (laughs) They get woke. Okay. Third thing about what's the point of being a Christian is we are royalty. I talked about this Sunday. You can't get away from the fact that when you become born again, you're born again into royalty. You are not like the others. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation unto God to show forth his, his, his. We are his. We show forth his things. We don't stand there and take accusations like we're nothing. We are royalty. You have to know this about yourself. When you know this about yourself, you behave with some sort of authority. Okay, 
and you stand up and you say, no, that's not who I am, and you don't get to tell me that. Period. That's just what it is. Right? Galatians 3.28. Let's go there. You know this from Galatians 3.28. It's the verse right before our main verse. Everybody okay? I got to get to the last point. You're going to want to hear that. Galatians 3.28. Excuse me. And it says there is therefore now something like that, right? I'm still getting to it. (laughs) Pastor Doug has his big Bible up here. I wonder if he took it with him. That's probably what I need. Okay. There is now no distinction, neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is not male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So in the kingdom of God, there should never be distinctions of race, gender, or uh, like what you do, your position, your job. But if you don't know that, you hook in with the world system. You understand? And you start defending the people of those things because, you know, they are underprivileged. Everybody in the world system is underprivileged compared to you. Everybody. We don't like saying it out loud, but that's the truth. The truth is, if you're in a room and you are the Christian and the other person isn't, you, they are underprivileged at the moment. It'll take two seconds to become privileged. Jesus, I receive you as my Savior. Privileged. Just like that. (laughs) Do you see? If you were in another religion, you have to go through a whole bunch of ceremonies and say a bunch of nonsense to commit your will to that demon. But God is free will. It's oxymoronish to think that you could make somebody become a Christian. You can't. Because it's done by the person's will. They have to receive for themselves. So you can't make somebody be a Christian. It's impossible. It won't take. <laughs> it's just a formality. Right? So, so the other reference that says the same thing is Romans 10, 12. That says pretty much the same as Galatians 3, 28. And then 1 Peter 2, 9 is where it talks about our royalty. And then the next thing is our power comes from heavenly origins, not personal power. This right here is key. You don't have personal power that could work in the kingdom of God. Your personal power is... You want to hook into God's power. You want the anointing of God on your life to be operating when you're working on behalf of the kingdom. Otherwise, you're just wasting your time. In my own physical power, I couldn't pray for people and have them fall down. Like, that's not going to happen. But with the anointing of God and the power of God released into somebody, that's when there's a response the way that that happens. Do you understand? So you could do the same thing. 
Whatever instruction God gives you, it has power with it. So you have to know this as a child of God. If he says, I want you to get up and go over this place uh, and say hello to this person, you have been empowered that when you say hello, it awakens something in them. And then you can have the conversation God wants them to have. Do you see? You have that as a believer, as a Christian, as a born-again believer. You have that in you now. The thing that stops us from operating at high levels of power in the kingdom of God is our own will yielding to the will of God. The yielding part gets interrupted by what the devil tells people they are. None of your identity could be described to you by anybody else but God and his people that listen to him. Like if somebody gave you a prophetic word and they're listening to God, that would be something equivalent because you're probably not able to hear for yourself or it just verifies for you what you thought you were hearing, but you weren't quite sure what to do with it. So God can give us those baby steps in the beginning. You know what I'm saying? But you want to be a person that you could be walking this way. You hear God say, I need you to do this right now, and you do. Miss Wanda is here because I followed that instruction. I was in the back room, which is now the VCF Cares room, and I was typing. I mean, this is before Miss Lisa, and Gabriel was young. And I was like, how old was he? Remember? Yeah, Gabriel was like five or six. So I got a home. I think I had a job. I was like not in the mood for other duties. <laughs> so we have a thing. This was a Friday night because the Saturday morning we had an event here that I was putting these notes together for all the people coming. And I'm typing on the computer. Mid-word. I wish I remember what the word was, but I don't remember what it was. Mid-word. I'm typing away, thinking about nothing else but getting this done. The Lord says, call that woman that visited on Sunday or Wednesday, whatever you visited. I said, what? I'm like, where's her visitor card? Like, I got to go find her visitor card. Like, what? And, and, and it wouldn't go. I was stuck. So I hunted on my desk. I saw her card. So I called. And I called and I invited her. And say, he said, invite her to the thing the next day. And I invited her to it. And she said later that she normally doesn't answer that phone that I called. That was the phone number she gave us. She probably didn't want us to call her. So <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so I called and she answered and she came. And then she walked into Pastor Doug's office after and said, I would like to rededicate my life to the Lord. And she's on the worship team now. You see how that works? So I had to follow an instruction. It didn't matter how busy I was. I needed to stop. Follow that instruction, and God's always looking at harvest. We can't see the harvest he's looking at. We could just follow the instruction. It's our job to follow his instructions. That's our, if you wanted a job description to work in God's kingdom, follow the instruction. That's your job description. <laughs> Amen? So, all right. So, yeah, our power comes from heaven. Uh, I'm going to give you this. Um, This is so funny. I have Corinthians, and I don't know if it's one or two. Uh, (laughs) uh, Chapter 2, verse 4 or 5, and my speed and my my speech and my preaching, 
was not with enticing word of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of the power. So you could look that up and figure out if it's 1 Corinthians or 2, but it's chapter 2, verses 4 to 5, okay? Because I want to get to something here before we close, uh, which is in a few minutes, okay? The other thing is we have an internal director that leads us into all truth. Every single thing the Holy Spirit leads you in is 100% truth. He will never lead you in something other than truth because he has nothing else but truth. He is the spirit of truth. Okay? Romans 8:14. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You see where I tell you that not everybody is a child of God? Yeah. So Romans 8:14. Okay, I'm going to skip over and go to the one I want to talk. I want to talk about this other point. We are the only kingdom that has forgiveness. That is real forgiveness. No other religion has forgiveness. They have punishment. They have penance. They have to-dos. But they do not have forgiveness. Everybody has to work for their forgiveness. Everybody pays a price once a year for any sins they might have committed previously for the, the year ahead, the past. We get it free yet people don't participate think about it it's free (laughs) it's free to give it you're not paying a price to forgive anybody like every time you forgive somebody you got to give a ten dollar offering like (laughs) you're not paying a price to forgive anybody and you're not paying a price to be forgiven you don't have to put money in the treasury when you want God to forgive you. Do you understand this? Yet it is the hardest thing for people to do. And maybe, just maybe, you might not realize the benefit of being a Christian if you were born into it. And you may be be behaving more like a culture than like a Christian. You might be having the mannerisms of a Christian culture and not a Christian believer. Because America is called a Christian nation, right? A lot of the characteristics of what Americans do, saved or unsaved, is pretty Christian-like, isn't it? So a person may feel like they're being a Christian because they're in a Christian nation, but they have no idea that they're so far from God in their hearts. And this is why these key things that are only found and can only be given through Christ are hard to do. Forgiveness and love. They, they have conditions. I don't know who designed these conditions, but it's not in the Bible. Right? So people get a pass in forgiving if the thing was really bad. They get understanding. Like if somebody did something really, really bad against you, people will console you with, I understand. It's going to take time. Well, how, how much time? Did, like what were, the, what were the levels that God gave in the Bible? You know, like when he was talking about it and Peter asked him a question about it. You know, how many times should I forgive in a day? Seven times? Oh, no, no, no. Seventy times seven. Do you, you remember that scripture? 
right? That's the criteria. But we have washed it down so well that everybody is comfortable living for years with unforgiveness. And may I suggest today that this is the hook that the enemy has in lives to keep them bound. It's unforgiveness, okay? Because you may be eternally saved for heaven in that you accept Jesus as your Savior, but you may be hindering yourself from receiving things from God because of unforgiveness. So here's what the Bible talks about that. Um, Are you guys okay? All right. This is a little calmer today than last week, but I think we need this one. Um, We see in John 3.16 that that was the first thing God offered us, right, was love that could help us with forgiveness, right? Because when Jesus was on the cross, that's the whole point of what he did. So the first thing that we can get cleared up is our sin debt. You realize when you have unforgiveness, you become, the person that's carrying debt. You're carrying debt in you. So you could end up being, you know those places that do those quick cash checks, you know, and they charge you 500%. <laughs> so you don't realize what you're doing when you do this because that is what you're doing. So the next person that comes into your life that wants to have a relationship with you on any level, they could be an employee, they could be a next-door neighbor, any. They have to pay such a high percentage to get to have a relationship with you because your fees have gone up because of all the things that people did to you. You know, when we first came to this church, Doug and I, I thought, oh, we're such babies. Oh, my gosh, these people beat us up so bad, but we were babies. You know, the one rule we had, we never judged any person based on somebody that left. They could have talked the same way. They could sit in the same seat. They could ask us the same questions. They could yell at us for the same thing. They could say this. I mean, they could even sound, a lot of them sounded the same. And we knew, like, okay. But we always thought that they're in, the, they're in God's house. And the washing of the water of the word could work for them. So we will do everything we can to help them with the water. That's what we did. That's what we did so that we don't judge everybody by the other person that came in and left. Or treated us badly. You understand? We didn't do the same thing either for people who treat us nicely. We didn't say, oh, because the, we treated everybody as a person when they came in. And that's what we did. That's how we could be here so long and not feel less of a person. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So the way you forgive quickly is you have to master 1 Corinthians 13. You really have to master this. Let me tell you something. A lot of things you're waiting on forgiveness for, the person didn't do anything wrong. You were just too sensitive. So you feel like they owe you an apology. They didn't do anything wrong. It's your touchy. (laughs) First Corinthians 13 talks about that. Love is not touchy. That's like one of the criteria of love. love. It's not touchy. So if you can't handle, if you can't get yourself to not be touchy, you're going to always need forgiveness. Like somebody's all going to owe you forgiveness like all over the place. You see? This is too much. You guys all right? All right. Now, 
Um, John, uh, okay, Luke 9.10, we don't have to turn there, I'm going to give it to you, write it down, Luke 9.10. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's what Jesus came to do, okay? He came to seek us, save us, because we were lost. That's forgiveness, right? Then, um, in Luke 23.34, here is what Jesus did. After they killed him with no legal evidence. I was going to say wrongly, but it was all part of God's plan. But technically, they had no legal evidence, okay? They killed him. This is Luke 23, 34. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, and they parted and then they parted his clothes. So here's my question to you. The people that you feel owe you forgiveness, are you judging their actions based on what you know or what they know? Because Jesus said forgive them because they know not what they do. There is a level of forgiveness that you have to equip yourself with to forgive people who don't know what they're doing and if somebody is not in the kingdom of god chances are almost everything they do they don't know what they're doing (laughs) almost everything they do against you now will it hurt yeah this is why you're going to master first corinthians 13 so you don't have pain all the time (laughs) i mean first corinthians 13 is for you to feel better (laughs) it really is it's for you to protect yourself so they can keep punching and it's like nothing but you're not arrogant about it you're not like yeah come on bring it (laughs) you're like you know it's all right it's okay no offense no offense do you see jesus had opportunity to be offended a lot didn't he because i mean my goodness like he just person and he got in trouble what would somebody who had a 500 percent thing on their forgiveness tab do well well that's it this town they're for the birds (laughs) I came here from heaven to do this job, and this is what they're going to do to me? No. That, see what love does? Love still does the assignment. My question is, what part of God's assignment have you stopped doing because you're waiting for somebody to forgive, you know, to say they're sorry? They don't even know that you were that touchy. Okay, Romans twelve nineteen. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave the way open for God's wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will. God is so good that he would even take care of the things that need vengeance. You don't even have to figure that out. You don't even have to be concerned if this act against you requires retribution, you know, like some kind of sentence. It's not, you don't even have to do that. You just say, I forgive you and let God do all the work that's necessary in that person's recompense, whatever it is. You understand? The consequences of their actions against you is taken up by God and you have to let it. But when you don't forgive, he does not have the case. You still have the case. And the problem is you're waiting for something to happen to them and nothing's happening and you're getting madder and madder. 
and your percentage rate keeps going up. So every person that comes to you to have a relationship of any sort, they're like, oh boy, this is a tough nut to crack. Yeah, that, do you see what I'm saying? You, it, the walls just keep going up. And, and, and you feel protected and like, nobody's going to hurt me like that anymore. Well, I mean, seriously? They, you know, the ones who hurt you, they've been living it up. Because, first of all, you still got the case, so God never even got to get involved. And they're having a blast, and you're here with your case. And your caseload's getting bigger and bigger, and you're like this. And they're just having, and that's making you even more, like, I can't believe, you know. (laughs) Okay, the big problem with forgiving, which I know you're all thinking, yeah, but if we forgive them. Okay, I got so many scriptures. We don't got time. Let me explain something to you. You can go look. Okay, if you don't forgive, if you have ought against your brother when you are stand praying, if you have ought against your brother, you should forgive them. Go forgive them and then come back. This is if you have ought against a brother this means you're still touchy first corinthians 13 has not been mastered if you master first corinthians 13 for yourself you won't have aught you won't have to like be in the middle of prayer and go oh i gotta go forgive this person for what they did to me you're just like case handed case handed case handed you it can happen from any distance so when you forgive you unhook the person from your business and you hand them over to collections God's business you just hand them over collections there you go thank you now what do you have to forgive you have to forgive sins against you sins a sin is steal kill destroy that's what you that's what you have to forgive you have to forgive if someone is stealing, killing, destroying from you. That's John 10.10. 10. That's what the devil does, right? A sin is in the category of devilish works. So anybody that does anything against you that steal, kill, destroy, that's a sin. You need to forgive them. Unhook the sin from your life. Hand it over to collections as fast as you can. Okay? And you move on. Now what you don't to forgive but you think you do and this is what gets people stuck if somebody offends you get over it (laughs) like seriously if we if god had to make a list of all the offenses that should be for you know how many like we talk about how jesus did so much work that so many miracles that we don't have enough paper to write down do you know how many papers going to take to write down people's offenses Your offense against somebody because they did something like to you, that they could have done the same thing to somebody else and it'd be fine. But it's only because it's you. Because we don't know what you're made of, but something different. <laughs> if you decide that people can't offend you, you got it made. You are living a free life. Your mind doesn't even have to think about it. You will develop such quick reflexes on getting rid of hurt that it does not even get milliseconds in your life. Okay? You, ha- you can't stay hooked up to offenses while you're waiting for their destruction or whatever consequences they can get from the action. It does not work. You, you are hindering it. 
okay? And the devil is happy to help you with that. So you do not want, so what, so anybody that sins against, now here is the thing. If the person was an enemy, when they did an offense against you, a sin against you, when you forgive them, they still remain your enemy. They don't have to be your friend. This is where I think people don't want to forgive because they think that if they forgive the person, now they have to be their friend. No! If an enemy is your enemy, you have to treat them like an enemy. The forgiveness part is not for them, it's for you. So if they are actively involved in stealing, killing, and destroying from your life, you apply scriptures that would be applied to an enemy. But the difference is when you forgive the person, you don't apply these scriptures with revenge. You apply it with love. Do you see? You unhook. So the Lord had me read Psalm 35. You can write this down. Look at it. Took me three weeks. I went a little extreme on the loving your enemy thing. So it took me three weeks to every day. I think morning and night actually. Most of the time it was two times a day, at least one time a day. To read it out loud and agree with God that he should do that to my enemies. I couldn't bring myself to say some of the things that God has planned for our enemies. Finally, after three weeks, I got over it. When the Lord showed me that Psalm 35 and Psalm 91 could be utilized as like your secret service protection against the enemy. Then I felt better about it. <laughs> because I felt like it's more of a proactive approach to, to, to destroy, you know, destroy enemies before they come and attack. You know. So you could look at those verses and let God see how God deals with an enemy. Okay? Now... Again, I'm telling you, if you forgive somebody, it doesn't mean they have to be your friend. As a matter of fact, if they are still your enemy, speak into the situation like you would for an enemy based on the Bible. Okay? You use scripture, so you're not going to get into witchcraft and all this nonsense, right? You're using scripture, and you're not spending time. You're not waking up every morning praying about your enemy. And you know that you have handled the situation that if your enemy needs food, they need water, they need these things, you can give it to them. Right? People think that if they forgive their enemies, that means that now they have to be buddies. They have to be on talking terms again. They have to tell them stuff if they ask. No, you treat them like an enemy if they are an enemy. But you do not hold back forgiveness. That seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? Because we've been following culture, not the Bible. Right? So you want to, um, let me get some, uh, let me, Mark 11:25. that's where your prayers won't be answered if you don't forgive. God won't forgive you. I mean, don't you want God's forgiveness if you mess up? Yes. 
Yeah. Well, the way to get it is to forgive other people. So you might be stuck because you're not forgiving. So, so that shame and condemnation that you think is from the enemy may very well be your own unforgiveness. I mean, seriously, it's the consequence of your unforgiveness, not, that, not the enemy putting it on you. You have put it on yourself. You see? Doesn't this help you? Trespassing. Matthew 6.14. He said to forgive those who trespass against you. Trespassing. <laughs> Trespassing is when somebody get in your business and you, they weren't invited. They trespassed. They, they broke into your life to do harm. They stole from you. Steal, kill, destroy. Right? So you forgive them for trespassing, but you treat them like an enemy. What the Bible says, an enemy, you, how you should treat your enemy, that's what you do. You understand? They're not a friend. You're not going to now open the door. They trespassed against you, and then you open the door, let them in the house, and give them a sofa and a, a sheet and a comforter to sleep over. <laughs> okay? This, if, if, a, if women in abusive relationships, and men for that matter, would understand this concept, they would kick out the abuser like two seconds gone. I forgive you. Now goodbye. Right? Because that person's an enemy to their life. They're abusing them. That's an enemy. Steal, kill, destroy. You understand? So you don't want to keep enemies like friends. Now, if it's a family member, a friend, somebody close to you, it's an offense and it hurts you, forgive each other and move on. But again, if you got 1 Corinthians 13, it's not even necessary because you never got hurt in the first place. <laughs> Do you see? Everybody with me? You good? I think it's time to close anyway. But uh, does that help you with the forgiveness thing? If it's an enemy, keep them an enemy. This is a revelation the Lord showed me today. Keep enemies enemies, but don't hook up with them by having unforgiveness. You got to release it. You got to develop this thing. Seconds, it's done. Seconds, it's done. Se- it's done. I forgive you. Now move. <laughs> yeah, move. The only thing I'm obligated to do for you that's nice is to give you water, food, shelter, so you can get your strength so I can beat you up again. <laughs> Don't want to fight you handicapped or anything. <laughs> I fight fair. You know, I've had to deal with so many narcissistic employees. It's ridiculous, really. And I'm so nice to them that they're shocked when I fire them. Because they thought that they got me over. Like, they thought they won. Like, they thought that everything that they had planned for me to do for them, so they benefit, I was doing. I was about to do with this meeting I'm having. And then they realize, oh, my God, what? Yeah. And I'm kind enough to pay you until the end of the week. I don't have to, but I will. There's the water, food, shelter. Buy food for tomorrow. Feed your family. Goodbye. Stop messing with mine. You see? And there's nothing about that that's ungodly. Do you know where people who don't receive Jesus is going? They're going to hell. Do you know if they die before Jesus comes back, they're going to hell sooner? Like, this is what the result is, okay? And, and yet God is love. We mix up forgiveness and love, and we don't have an understanding of it, so we do it incorrectly, and we labor in it. 
We put ourselves as the martyrs of it. Jesus did all the work. We enforce the rules that he created. I think healing will come quicker. I think life, joy, peace, all these things will come quicker in our lives if we understand how to do this like that. The destroying the works of the enemy starts with destroying unforgiveness inside of us. Don't have any ought against anybody. If you search your soul, that's where it sits, your heart, and you're like still thinking about what the person didn't invite you to dinner five years ago. I mean, that, they didn't sin against you. They didn't invite you to dinner. Where's the sin? Like, what sin is that? But what the devil did was he came and used it to steal, kill, and destroy from you is what he did. The person didn't steal, kill, and destroy from you. You did it yourself. You have become your own enemy. Do you see? Everybody with me? I mean, you guys look scared, really. (laughs) I'm hoping, I'm not seeing too much reaction to this like I thought I would. (laughs) Ephesians 6.12 is another scripture that I have. And the note that I have here, you know, because it says, Ephesians 6.12 says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But against, if you understand that's what we're wrestling against, you will not have a problem letting that person be. They have chosen to work for the enemy. You didn't make them. They are doing it. But you always leave the door open that if, when, when the window is open for salvation, you step right in there and deliver. You can't do it if you're offended. You can't do it if you're trying to get back at them. You, there's no way. You're going to do it with a na-na-na-na-na-na. And that's pride, right? And if you're not careful, you can have so much unforgiveness built up that you start developing pride, which comes before a fall, right? We are humble people that walk by love, we unhook quickly. We, if you saw me talking to an enemy and saw me talking to a friend, you wouldn't know which one is which. That's just what happens. I have said we're going to have to step this up because there's a lot of enemies showing up. So we need to, like, step it up. That's what I've spent my life developing. And that's what you can do, too. It's there. We all have the same Bible. <laughs> you see? You ha- we are serving the almighty God who is love. Your life will soar. I'm telling test me on this. Forgive people. Let go of offense. You don't have to call somebody up and say, I forgive you. For what? Well, when you hurt my feelings. No. <laughs> Leave them alone. They didn't sin against you. You sinned against yourself. <laughs> right? But if there's somebody that did sin against you, like steal, kill, destroy, and you feel the need to call them and tell them that you forgive them, feel free. But you don't have to. You, the forgiveness happens inside of you. You forgive them and let them go. And hand the case over to God for crying out loud. Because when you keep the case... They're still going around to other people, stealing, killing, and destroying. They're working for the devil. 
So they're doing it to other people too. And you're the one holding up the case. When God could have taken care of it a long time ago. Do you see? I refuse to participate in other people's sins. I'm not going to be aiding and abetting somebody's sin. No. I want to live a pure life. A clean life. And the way you test whether you've forgiven someone is that when they come in your presence, they don't feel condemnation, shame. It's almost like you forgot what they did to you. They don't, they don't feel like you keep it. You know, you can tell when somebody has something against you. Because when you go up, they, they're like, how are you doing? They can't quite look at you, right? <laughs> or if they were just talking about you, they were mad. Because their love walk's not all that. <laughs> and so they got a little touchy when you just like shoved something and down their throat and they didn't want you to talk about that. And then they're like, well, yeah, I'm fine. Thanks, though. It's okay. Give them a couple of days to cool off. Don't be all like up in their face. Chill and then come back later. Do you understand? This is, this is you are a person of God. You're royalty. This is how we operate. These are the protocols of the kingdom. You could do it. Yeah. Amen. Can you do it, church? We can do this. All right, let's stand. You guys are tired. Everybody's falling asleep. Uh, I think I said everything on here. Um, do you want to play something on the piano? Devon, just play something. Doesn't matter. Um, well, it doesn't matter. But <laughs> um, you can forgive because forgiveness is living inside of you. Jesus, the Spirit of God is inside of us. He's the one that forgives us first. In order for him to come live in us, he had to forgive us. He had to forgive us. We didn't have to forgive him. He had to forgive us. And listen to this. We had to accept his forgiveness when he didn't do anything against us. But he still gave us the opportunity to say, yes, I accept your, like, I mean, like, how, like, this is so amazing. That's what love looks like. And and to have, to be a, a believer in Christ, we had to go through this process with God to see how he forgives us for our sin against him. Do you see? And this is the nature of Christ in us. We could do the same thing for other people just like that. We, we give it at their will. We don't, sh- we don't say to them, well, well, you don't want to take my forgiveness, so I'm done with you. No. We leave the opportunity open for when they're ready to accept our forgiveness. Amen? So, Father, tonight I just thank you, Lord, for your goodness. I thank you, Father, that you made the first move in forgiveness and that we have received it freely and you said freely we have received now freely give so father i just speak over everyone at the sound of my voice that a revelation of you father will come to them that they can offer forgiveness freely without any ulterior motives without any attachments And that they will have wisdom, insight, and understanding on who is an enemy and who is a friend. 
And Father, I pray that the hearts of the people will just be purified tonight. Father, purify us tonight. Take anything out of us that does not belong, that you would not have put there. Let it just come out of us, Father. We release it. Just tell him yourself. Just say, Father, I release every person that has done aught against me. I just release them now. I hand the case over to you, Father. I just thank you, Lord, for the great things that you will do through our lives in this place. I thank you, Father, for your anointing that's inside of us that's designed to destroy yokes and bondages and set captives free. That no person at the sound of my voice will remain bound. But they will become free and have wisdom with their freedom. I just thank you for this, Lord. And I pray that, that this week will be an extraordinary week in the lives and the homes of the people. That the atmosphere of the home will change immensely, Father. Let there be a, let there be a tangible difference in the atmosphere of their homes and of their relationships. In the name of Jesus we pray, Father. Amen and amen. Amen. Well, God bless you, church. This was a sobering message, but I think we all need a good restart. Amen? And on Sunday, we'll see you on Sunday for church, 10 a.m. And then the following Sunday... Wednesday and Sunday are my last times preaching, and then Pastor Doug's back. <laughs> He's back in two Wednesdays, two Wednesday service. He'll be back. Amen? But uh, thank you guys for coming. Don't forget about the opportunity to give anytime, and uh, we'll bring somebody to church on Sunday. Amen. God bless you.